Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Now, granted, if you are a Giants fan and you decided to dedicate your weekend to watching the Giants and Dodgers series, well, I am sorry because it was a four-game sweep from the Dodgers of the San Francisco Giants. The first time they've done that since 1995. So it's been quite a while since they've swept the Giants in four games. And it was ugly. It was ugly. And we're going to get into all of it to start out this show. Of course, the trade deadline is looming. I think that we have changed our tune on that. And there is one part of the deadline that we are not talking about, and I also want to get to, and it does not involve uh, Juan Soto. Although we got some word from ESPN baseball insider Buster Olney on Damon Bruce and Ray Ratto's show on Friday, except uh, Larry Kruger was in for Ratto. And he said that the Giants are, well, he put a number on it, and I don't want to say what that number is quite yet, just in case you don't know. But that number is minuscule, and if you think the Giants can get Juan Soto, then you're going to lose out all hope when you hear what Buster Olney had to say. So we will get into all that. Nick Castellanos from the Phillies goes out a reporter, so we do have the sound clip from the weekend. And then, of course, we got training camp for the 49ers coming up, and we still have more conflicting reports on Jimmy Garoppolo. Speaking of reports, something else I want to get to. Over the weekend, we had a lot of these trade deadline rumors as this August 2nd deadline is coming up. So as the week goes on, we are going to be seeing a lot of reports, you know, insiders, all giving us updates on the next big move. So I'm going to go through my least favorite, my most hateable, whichever way you want to classify it, expressions used when it comes to the trade deadline and these reports, because I got a few listed here, and I just, anytime I see these words tweeted out or see them reported, see them written in an article, 
I can't stand it. So I'm going to go through those later on in the show. All right, sound good? God, that was a lot. But Gabe Kapler, I think, after the game, spoke to what the Giants did over the weekend after they got swept in four games. Not good enough. Uh, really frustrating. A, a level of play that is just not going to be acceptable for us. There's no other way to, to classify it. It's just not good enough. An unacceptable level of play. Now, you went into the All-Star break having taken three of four from the Brewers, which was a huge series last weekend. You know, you get the opening you get the opening game where you lose to the Brewers, then it's like, okay, what are they really going to do here? And then you win the next three. So you go into the All-Star break feeling good. And Carlos Rodon says something to the effect of, Ah, you know, this all-star break, I think it came at a wrong time for us because we were rolling and now we've taken a week off. But we didn't really take too much stock into that. And then they started this series off with the Giants. They started the second half of the season off against the Dodgers. And it was not pretty. Now, I think we've all just come to the realization now that, you know, This team is just not going to be competing with the Dodgers. And I think a lot of us have come to that realization before. But there was still that little glimmer of hope. They still got 10 games left against the Dodgers going forward. But this sweep really proved just where the Dodgers are compared to the Giants in terms of their roster. The talent level that they're putting on the field. I mean, yesterday... You had the closest ball game of the series yesterday as the Giants were trying to make things interesting. They had the game, uh, they tied the game up 4-4 after Darren Ruff ties it up with the homer in the top of the fifth. He had a two-run shot. Of course, Wilmer Flores was on base in that time. But then you get to the bottom of the seventh, and that's where things got ugly because the defense has been an issue for this team. Just a constant issue. I More times than I've ever seen with this Giants team, I am seeing these guys turn around chasing a ball that's going off the wall because they misplayed it. Even saw it in the Brewers series a couple of times. And then you go to this last one with the Dodgers, and then you're looking at Jock Peterson and these certain guys. And yesterday, the big one here, and I don't want to blame this dude for the loss because he actually had a good game uh, in the batter's box, but maybe that's where he should only be playing as a DH. But that is your mean Mercedes because in left field, he gets a bad jump on the ball. Freddie Freeman gets on with a double when it shouldn't have been a double, and it was on an 0-2 count, by the way, and you already had one out in the game. And when that ball goes over the head of your mean Mercedes, then... Jake Lamb gets on with the double, makes it 5-4. Gavin Lux gets on with the single, makes it 6-4. And then Trace Thompson eventually comes on with two outs and makes it a 7-4 ball game, hitting a double on a 3-2 count. And then Clay Thompson, who was at the game supporting his brother, goes on to go nuts after chugging a beer. I don't know if anybody saw that, but uh, Clay Thompson... Just downing a beer, unlike Aaron Rodgers at that one Bucks game. You remember that when he was going back and forth with the left tackle, David Bakhtiari? Bakhtiari was just pounding those beers, and then Aaron Rodgers just didn't even want to take part in it. 
We had a whole sports radio day about Aaron Rodgers and how he's not able to drink beer. Well, Clay Thompson was uh, taking a live video of himself at the Dodgers game, just chugging one right from the right from the get go. So I love that energy from Clay, just hanging out watching his brother. But he hits a double in front of him. Clay goes nuts. It's a seven to four ball game, and essentially. It's a loss. Now, Gabe Kapler spoke to that specific play and what your mean Mercedes needs to work on after the game. Not the best jump. When we talked a little bit about it, he looked up, saw Sky, it happens, and uh, wasn't able to recover. Asked him if, if he if he got his best jump. Is he able to catch it? He thinks he is. Yeah, I and mean, we should keep working on it, right? Do the best that we can and, and try to you know tune up the athletes as, as much as we can. He's working his ass off and... Um, had some great at bats for us today. It's a, it's a, sorry, it's a ball. I think he he can probably catch when he when he gets his best jump. It's a ball he could probably catch when he gets his best jump. Well, my whole thing is, I don't care that it's a necessity at this point, but your main Mercedes shouldn't be playing left field for this team. He shouldn't be. The way that they are set up at left field having Jock Peterson and Darren Ruff, and then your mean Mercedes as your third option. That is one of the worst depth charts that you'll ever see for a position, at least on defense. Those guys can mash. Like, again, I don't want to blame your mean Mercedes for the whole thing because his bat actually woke up, and he's been an exciting player in the batter's box, but that's the only place that he needs to play. And it's not even his fault, too. Like, I'm not blaming your mean Mercedes for this. I'm blaming the Giants for this and the fact that they have to put him in left field because that's all they have on the roster. It shouldn't be that way in the first place. So Gabe Kapler shouldn't have to be answering those questions, and that's just where the season is at right now, where it's turning to one like it was in 2019, and we're having the discussions like uh, they were in 2019. Other than the little stretch they had in July leading up to the trade deadline, that team did not look good, and it was Gabe Kapler's first season as a manager, and I thought that, especially when it came to the bullpen, there was nothing that he could do that could, you know, th- that could have changed the outcome of the uh, of whatever happened in the, in the previous night. You know, you, you, we'd always be talking about the bullpen changes that he was going to make, but you couldn't tell me with full confidence that, oh yeah, if he would have made this change, then you know what? The outcome would have been different because the guys on the roster just weren't that good. So I'm thinking, you know, you, you only got to make the moves with what... You, you only got to work with the hand that you're dealt, right? The cards that you're dealt. And the cards that Gabe Kapler has right now doesn't have a lot of them. I mean, listen to how dejected he was yesterday when he was asked about Mike Yastrzemski and him possibly could have come in into the, uh, possibly coming into the game as a pinch hitter, uh, as a defensive replacement, whatever it was. Like, listen to Gabe Kapler here. Yaz was not available for us today outside of an emergency. And so that compromised us a little bit. He's got some calf soreness that he's working through and we're hoping to to keep him available for this upcoming uh, Diamondback series and as a result we didn't really have the defensive replacement that we normally would have and want in that situation um, and we also needed to preserve some left-handed bats to, to hit for us as, as you saw um, if we got to a place where we were within striking distance in, in, a, in a game we may have had a pinch runner like Sam Long ready um, for Yaz but under the circumstances, we just couldn't do it. it. So he can only make so many changes here, and it's just it's just not a good roster right now. This roster is not one that can you know thrive in the playoffs, in my opinion. It's 
it's so hard every night. I mean, they, they've made it tough on themselves. You know, having to put these puzzle pieces in the correct spot every single game. And I think that the Dodgers have proven that these past four games, talent just beats that. I mean, how many times did we see Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman do their thing? Gavin Lux yesterday was huge for them in this game. Trace Thompson has had a big series. Like, it's it's just, in the end, you could platoon and, you know, try to fit the puzzle pieces in the right place. Last year, it seemed to be a sustainable brand of baseball, but they also had the players and they were equipped to do it. Now, you just aren't. Evan Longoria ended up going on the injured list over the weekend. I don't know what his future is for this team. Brandon Crawford is not there right now. You know, Brandon Belt has not been the same Brandon Belt right before that injury going into last season. So it's just, I don't know if this season is just is just all but over. I'm not going to overreact, I guess, to, to this because, you know, standings-wise, you're still in the mix for the wild card, but I think Giants fans are just watching these games and thinking, okay, well, they're still in the mix. Who cares? Right now, they are one game back of the Phillies. The top three teams in the wild card right now are the Braves, the Padres, and St. Louis. Then you have the the Phillies, who are one game back of St. Louis, and then you have San Francisco, who is two games back. So, if anything, you're going to be fighting for the third wild card spot which is the extra wild card spot. The expanded team that nobody was really a fan of because if you get those teams in there, it's just a non-competitive team, one that doesn't really deserve to be in the playoffs. And that's the spot that the Giants are fighting for right now. And they are not even anywhere close to it. Two games back, that's a lot to make up. But speaking of the Phillies, I do want to get to some sound on the other side because... If this guy was signed to the Giants in the offseason, I I, I wonder what his reaction would be to the media if he were playing on this team right now. And that guy is Nick Castellanos because he got into a little tiff with a reporter over the weekend. So I want to get to that sound. Plus, something that Dave Fleming said on the broadcast yesterday, he kind of jogged my memory when it came to talking about the trade deadline and the Giants, of course, we'll get the sound in from Buster Olney uh, from ESPN, who was on Damon and Rado's show on Friday. And he did not give the Giants much of a chance to land Juan Soto. Uh, he put a number on it, and that number is tiny. But something else that Dave Fleming mentioned on the broadcast yesterday, we're not talking about the Giants being sellers too often. But I think when it comes to Trey Turner and his connection with Juan Soto, everyone's making that connection. But there's a certain connection he has with a Giant. And I'm thinking the Dodgers are looking at the Giants team over this weekend and saying, you know what, we could use that specific player. And it's because of Trey Turner. So we'll get to that on the other side as well. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. The Giants had a chance to, I guess, 
pass the litmus test that was this four-game series against the Dodgers coming out of the All-Star break. But they end up getting swept in four games for the first time against the Dodgers since 1995. And I think any interest in the San Francisco Giants has slowly dwindled as we have football getting started, the NFL training camp getting underway, and Gabe Kapler after the game. Because I do want to get to uh, Nick Castellanos and his little argument with the reporter, which was hilarious. Because we need to just, we need to laugh after that four game series. But then I do have some sound from Buster Olney on with Damon and Ratto on Friday. And he gave the Giants a very small chance for trading for Juan Soto. But uh, Gabe Kapler, after the game, just said, look, it's unacceptable. Not good enough. Uh, really frustrating. A, a level of play that is just not going to be acceptable for us. There's no other way to, to classify. It's just not good enough. Outmatched. Outclassed. Out-everythinged. Whatever, whatever term you want to use. Now, later on in the show, speaking of verbiage, I do want to get to the worst trade deadline report verbi- report verbiage out of everything coming up here at about, what, 550? I mean, there, I got some terms written down here because the trade deadline, of course, is going to be in full swing, and you're going to see a lot of reports coming out this week. Well, I'm going to mention my least favorite phrases that reporters use in order to, to gauge where players are going to go, what teams are interested in what players... Because there are some that they use which just really irk me. Because what the hell do they mean? So we'll get to that later on. But uh, before we get to Buster Olney, what he had to say about the Giants' chances of getting Juan Soto, uh, Nick Castellanos, who, personally, I wanted the Giants to sign in free agency. Well, the Phillies, they had a series against the Cubs. Nick Castellanos, of course, goes to the Phillies. And Castellanos has not been having... A good year, not a year that uh, they were hoping for. And you know what? He's not not making me feel any better uh, about my take. The dude just turns 30 years old, and right now he's hitting 245. Only hit, only has hit eight home runs, has 46 RBIs on the year. Although, I mean, it's not to say I I I still would absolutely take Nick Castellanos on this Giants team right now, but he has not been good in Philadelphia, and he was receiving boos after he struck out. In his home stadium. Now, this isn't the this isn't the first time that we've seen this. We've seen it happen with Bryce Harper. We've seen it happen with Santa Claus. We've seen everybody get booed by a Philadelphia crowd. Now, the Santa Claus one was with the Eagles, but you get my point. The Philadelphia crowd tends to boo. So, Nick Castellanos, in the locker room, a reporter straight up asked him, Hey, did you hear the boos? And listen to what Nick Castellanos' response was. Did you uh, hear the boos there when you struck out and playing the game there? No, man, I lost my hearing. <laughs> so you didn't hear it? Come on, man, that's a stupid question. Why is it a stupid question? Can anybody else answer that for him? Anybody? Yeah, man, that's a stupid question. It's not a stupid question. If it's a stupid question, you should be equipped to answer it. All right, all right, I did answer it. All right, all right. The answer we got the answer. That doesn't mean that I can't say that it's a stupid question. It wasn't a stupid question. It's a legit question. If I heard the booze, is is, 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 that's a rhetorical question. Of course it's a stupid question. Did you hear the booze? That's a stupid question. We got the answer. We're good. Thanks, guys. And you should be able to handle a stupid question. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. I... This new age of 
players going back at media members. I can understand it if you are on that media member side and saying, yo, just answer the question. You don't need to be uh, a you-know-what about it. You don't need to... You can just say yes or no. You don't have to answer it in that way. I mean, he could have just easily said, yeah, yeah. Did you uh, hear the blues there when you struck out and playing the game there? No, man, I lost my hearing. <laughs> so you didn't hear Come on, man, that's a stupid question. Why is it a stupid question? Can anybody else answer that? So, this guy clearly had a follow-up to whatever he was going to ask, because reporters don't just ask yes or no questions. Like, that just, that's, that's, uh... Hey, that's, you know, interviewing 101, whether you're in radio, whether you're doing it in the locker room, whatever it is. I mean, you might have to, uh, you might have to ask a preliminary question that is a yes or no question, but then you follow it up with more details. The reporter maybe should have just asked, like, hey, what was your reaction when you heard the boos and just under the assumption that he had heard the booing, but then it led to this whole spat where the, where the reporter, as he's saying, you know, oh, you didn't answer the question. Then he said, you should have answered the question. As he said, you, he emphatically pointed at Castellanos. You. And I just couldn't help but think, man, if Castellanos were in this locker room right now, and the way that a lot of these guys who have not been mainstays with the Giants, you know, Carlos Rodon, I know Alex Wood was on the team last year, but the way that these guys have answered some questions so far about the Giants and where they're at, prior to this little nine-game stretch that they were on going into the All-Star break where they won seven of the last nine, that was on the heels of Carlos Rodon and Alex Wood telling the media that, you know, we're just not good enough, they don't know what the answer is. I just, I couldn't imagine what it would be like if Castellanos were on this team. I still would take him, but when I saw that argument over the week, and I just thought, damn. Now, I want to get to this Buster Olney clip. Because he talked about the Giants' chances of landing Juan Soto. He was on with uh, Damon and Larry Kruger on Friday. Larry Kruger was in for Ratto. And here's the number that he had, but I'm going to talk about something at the trade deadline that, you know, it's just we haven't talked about in a while because we've consti- we consistently talked about the Giants being buyers throughout this station. But here's what Buster Olney, ESPN, MLB Insider had to say on Damon and Ratto about the Giants' chances of landing Juan Soto. My instinct is that I just don't see Farhan being the guy who's going to essentially pay twice for an elite player like Juan Soto. You know, paying the package of prospects now and then having the Scott Boris bill of $500 million plus in his next contract. I don't see Farhan doing that because I don't get a sense from talking to people within the organization that there's a high level of desperation. Like, this is our window we have to win now. I do feel that from the Padres. And certainly, you know, living here in New York, there's a lot of conversation about Soto, whether or not the Yankees are going to take a shot at him. I still think they're going to be focused on Aaron Judge. So I don't think that the Giants are going to take a run at Soto. I put that number at about 5% based on what I heard about them landing him. I do think it does make sense for them to look at what's coming down the pike and at least evaluate the price of an Aaron Judge or after next year, Shohei Otani, who likely is going to be available because they need an anchor. The reason that you make these sorts of trades is because a majority of them are rentals. Juan Soto is a different story. Whenever Juan Soto's name is brought up, it's because not only are you trading for a guy who can help your team win right now, but you are trading for a guy who's going to be the cornerstone of your team. Now, I don't know what 
Juan Soto is looking for. I don't know if he's looking to win this year. I don't know if he's going to be going to the team that is willing to pay him the most money. I think the Giants have a compelling case by saying, look, we're not paying anybody through 2024 other than DeSclafani. Like, we will give you this money. And maybe that's what Farhan's waiting for. But also... Juan Soto, probably a player who does want to win right now and win another championship. Of course, his agent is going to be going against him and saying, well, this team can give me the most money. I wonder what those conversations are like with him and uh, his agent, Scott Boris. We all know Scott Boris. He's going to try and squeeze as much money out of any of these teams as he possibly can. So what is he looking for? But I also think this. Why don't we ever take into account what the Nationals want? Now, They're not expected, GM Mike Rizzo, he's not expected to stick around because they're going to be under new ownership. So I've heard the argument, why would Mike Rizzo want to just make this team better? But also, what would Mike Rizzo gain as a GM if he just traded Juan Soto for pennies? Like, what, what, what would he... Well, I, I just did a Brian and Palo Alto <laughs> there. But what would he want to... Like, what would he really gain from that? It's just, all right, well, trade away the franchise player that I had picked up, that I had drafted. Okay, just trade him away. Leave the team with nothing. All right, bye-bye. That makes me look real good. I, I don't understand that argument, but I always wonder, like, from the Nationals' perspective, why wouldn't they try and get a package with as many players who have played in the major leagues? Why don't they try and get as many as possible? You know, and the Giants just don't have that. The Giants have, you know, the prospects in order to trade for them. We've been talking about them all month. Every single prospect. You've heard these prospects' names more than any other fan base. Like, their prospects, these these prospects have been brought up for the past three years. It's kind of like the luxury tax for the Warriors. We've heard about the luxury tax constantly for the past couple of seasons. And you've heard about nothing but Giants prospects for the past couple of years. Those names are being brought up in trades. But if I'm the Nationals, I'm looking at this thing and thinking, you know, I would rather go for teams that would be willing to give me maybe two or three guys who are on their major league roster right now and then just one prospect. Like, the problem with the Giants is their prospects haven't done anything in AAA. They haven't done anything in the big leagues other than Elliot Ramos. You know, Logan Webb's name is constantly being brought up about a guy you could trade for Juan Soto. I mean, I don't know with Logan Webb. I don't know what his situation is going to be. Obviously, he's heading into another arbitration year. I don't know what his price is going to be. But the word is from Buster Olney that they are going to want guys who have a low amount of service time so you can get as many years out of them as you possibly can before you have to pay him a Juan Soto type deal. You know, not 15 years, 400 million or whatever insane number that is, but you know, this uh, a, a large number for whatever contract is coming their way. I just when I hear Buster Olney say that, he's been the one who has kind of gone against everything else that other reporters have said. You know, like a bet on, uh, well, not bet online, but the Action Network, who you know post a bunch of betting odds and everything. They had the Giants at plus seven hundred to land Soto, which were the six best best odds. Uh, Bob Nightingale is saying he, the Giants are one of the teams that are in, that's interested um, out of the seven. But Buster Olney's kind of been saying like, look, the Giants don't really have a chance. And to me, like it's you know it's 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 choose your fighter. 
You know, who do you want to believe in? And to me, Buster Olney is one of the most credible. I think that dude has uh, the 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 most reputable sources, if I had to guess, just because of how long he's been in the game and how established he is. And, you know, he's on ESPN. So I, I, I'd I believe what Buster Olney is saying, that the Giants only have a 5% chance of landing Soto. Now, the Giants, we've been talking about them being buyers at the deadline and leading up to it. I think they're going to be more and more what uh, we have been saying here on the pregame show, which is... Ah, they're probably going to stand pat, or they could be sellers. Now, something that was said over the weekend from Dave Fleming on the bro- on the broadcast, it was kind of just a, a filler line, just a fun fact with a relationship between a player on the Giants and a player on the Dodgers. But I'm thinking to myself after hearing that, why wouldn't this guy want to try and recruit this player from the Giants to join the Dodgers. I will get to who those two players are next. 888-957-9570, the Comcast business text line and the phone number, of course, is right there if you'd like to weigh in. 888-957-9570. And on the other side, we're going to get to a lot more uh, football, getting ready for training camp because there have been more reports about Jimmy Garoppolo. Plus... Little NBA trade deadline news. We got an update from Sham Sharania. He just gave us a Sham wow, a Shams wow about Kevin Durant and this trade rumors because the Boston Celtics have now entered the mix. And there was a certain name that Jalen Brown brought up. Ooh, excuse me, that Sham Sharania brought up. <laughs> I just totally ruined that tease. And that's all coming up on the other side. Stephen Lightford did all the pregame show. I just got to get to break. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in with you. And I'm going to be honest. 
The text line, normally it automatically updates as we do the show. I mean, that's how I'm able to read so many of your texts. So this morning, I'm just going to peel back the curtain here. This morning, I thought I wasn't getting any texts on this show. I didn't get a single one. They were all from last night. But it turns out that the text line did not refresh. So I just refreshed it and got to your texts from the... 925, nope, can't watch the Giants right now. That's Ernie from Concord from the 925 also. Psh, Kapler in the dugout dressed like it's laundry day from the 510. Baseball season's over. Can't wait for football, my guy. Go Niners, go Lance. That's from Oreo Cookie in Oakland. And then from the 510, Kapler makes so many moves. He makes a little league coach look genius. He tries to get everyone in the game like they need their six outs in one AB. And what's up with the Kapler shades? What's he trying to model for GQ out there? Get real. If you if you if you look the way that Gabe Kapler looked, wouldn't you dress the way that he's dressing? Like be a, be a hundred percent honest with yourself. That dude is sculpted like a Greek god. <laughs> it's like it's like what the hell? He's not meant to be a baseball manager, dude. I, I swear, I swear. Like this was a this was one of the one of the talking points when Kapler came over here as a head coach. I'm not kidding. Callers would call in saying, "I don't like the look of him. He's too built. He's too muscular to be a to be a baseball manager." Like the guys that you're that we're all used to, you know, are are the guys who really struggle to make it out of the uh, to, who really struggle to make it to the mound. You know, <laughs> like, like they don't even look like they could go for a jog. Like that's the type of manager that we're used to. You know, the gut. They have to have a gut. That's like a requirement to be a manager. And Gabe Kapler is not necessarily like that. There was that one walkout though, and I think I know which one a lot of people are referring to here. But it's the it was the slow walk. You know, it was to give the guy in the bullpen time because uh, uh, I forgot who it was specifically, but Kapler comes out. With a slow strut out to the mound. And it's kind of, it, it screams a lot of look at me, but really it's just strategy to, you know, give the bullpen a little more time to warm up, to give him a couple of more pitches. But I do see, I do see what people are talking about. And if that rubs you the wrong way, then, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with you and tell you you're wrong. But I do want to respond to that text, though. Kapler makes so many moves. He makes a little league coach look genius. He tries to get everyone in the game like they need their six outs and one at bat. And what's up with the Kapler shades? What's he trying to model for GQ out there? Get real. Yeah, I want to respond to that first part. Uh, later on in the show, by the way, just to, I, I kind of just, I just went right into it. Uh, I got, I got a, forward promote here. I got to be a professional. Uh, but coming up in about eh, 10 minutes, I want to go through my least favorite trade deadline report types. Like I, I've seen a few things, you know, Andrew Benatendi is one of the names that's been brought up. Frankie Montas from the A's is a name that's been brought up. Uh, of course, Juan Soto has been the has been at the top of the list. So I do want to get to the to my least favorite trade deadline reports, and we also have a little update within the NBA and what's going on with Kevin Durant. Um, and it, you know, it, it relates to the Warriors in some way because uh, the Celtics and the Nets have been in discussions uh, over the weekend. So I do want to get to that as well. But let me play this clip for you. Gabe Kapler had to answer a question 
about your mean Mercedes in left field because your mean Mercedes misplayed a ball off the bat of Freddie Freeman in the bottom of the seventh in yesterday's game, and that jump started a three-run inning, putting him up 7-4 as Tyler Rogers is on the mound. It led to Clay Thompson going nuts as his brother Trace Thompson hits a double to make the game 7-4, but it all started with this double that shouldn't have been by Freddie Freeman, and it was with your mean Mercedes in left field. So listen to Gabe Kapler here at the end of the game. Not the best jump when we talked a little bit about it. He looked up, saw Sky, it happens, and uh, wasn't able to recover. Asked him if, if he if he got his best jump. Is he able to catch it? He thinks he is. Yeah, and we should keep working on it, right? Do the best that we can and, and try to you know tune up the athletes as, as much as we can. He's working his ass off and um, had some great at bats for us today. It's a, it's a, sorry, it's a ball. I think he he can probably catch when he when he gets his best jump. So your mean Mercedes, according to Gabe Kapler, is a is a very athletic type of guy, athletically gifted, and I believe that. But he seems like that type of dude, even though you know it, it may not be to the naked eye. Like right away, oh yeah, you say that guy's a really great athlete, but I could see it, and he's having to answer these questions about your mean in left field. Now, I'm not even blaming Yermeen. I'm not even blaming Gabe Kapler. But the way the roster was constructed is that Jock Peterson, Darren Ruff, maybe Austin Slater every now and then, and Yermeen Mercedes are your left fielders, and that's what you got to work with? Like, if that's what you got to work with in left field, you got problems. It shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to be answering questions with your mean playing left field. The dude never played left field. This is the first time that he's doing it. So when the 510 texts in, he's making so many moves, he makes a little league coach look like a genius. It really is run like that type of team where they're just trying to fit guys in in the right spots. But this Dodgers series had shown these past four games when you got the 1 2 3 of. Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and then Freddie Freeman. And then, you know, you follow it up with guys like, I don't know, Max Muncy, Gavin Lux, Trace Thompson, and Cody Bellinger yesterday. And that's not even that's not even their starting lineup. I mean, they were giving guys a break yesterday, and that lineup is just leaps and bounds better than the Giants. Will Smith, one of those guys. Hanser Alberto, one of those guys. Like, top to bottom, they just got guys who can hurt you. Now, their averages might not be up there, but the league average is down. But when you talk about Mookie, Trey, and Freddie Freeman, those top three guys, you don't really have those types of staples with the Giants lineup. It feels like they're all interchangeable, which shouldn't it shouldn't be that way. And I, I understand, like, you may get mad at Gabe Kapler for the moves that he's making, but he's only working with what he's got. It's... It's just a situation right now where it's, it's they're making it way too complicated. Like baseball, one of the reasons I enjoy baseball so much and, and breaking it down is because, you know, there are these little, as Gabe Kaplan puts it, micro instances in the game, micro moments where it's like, all right, this little moment here, this one pitch uh, it may, you know, it, it, it may impact how this other guy is pitched or it, little things like that. But at its core, baseball is a very simple game. It really is. It's, you got a pitcher, you got a hitter, the pitcher tries to get the hitter out, and that's it. 
Like that's that's really at the core of the game. Oh, and you got to play good defense. Pitching has to be good. The hitting has to be good. Everything, right? Base running, all that. It, at its core, it's a very simple game. You're not running plays, you know, uh, up and down like a basketball court. You're not doing it like you are on the football field, where you got to constantly be thinking about your next move. Of course, there are little intricacies here and there where you got to shift the defense to a certain spot for this certain hitter and all of that. But at its core, baseball is a very simple game, and the Giants seem to be overcomplicating it, making it tough for themselves. You know, just by making all of these moves in the way that the roster is constructed. Now, I want to get to this because Juan Soto, that's been a talking point, right? And I don't think it's going to be, and you know what, I'm going to replay this. Buster Olney on with Damon and Ratto on Friday says they have a 5% chance of landing Soto, in his opinion. My instinct is that I just don't see Farhan being the guy who's going to essentially pay twice for an elite player like Juan Soto. You know, paying the package of prospects now and then having the Scott Boris bill of $500 million plus in his next contract. I don't see Farhan doing that because I don't get a sense from talking to people within the organization that there's a high level of desperation. Like, this is our window we have to win now. I do feel that from the Padres. And certainly, you know, living here in New York, there's a lot of conversation about Soto, whether or not the Yankees are going to take a shot at him. I still think they're going to be focused on Aaron Judge. So I don't think that the Giants are going to take a run at Soto. I put that number at about 5% based on what I heard about them landing him. I do think it does make sense for them to look at what's coming down the pike and at least evaluate the price of an Aaron Judge or after next year, Shohei Otani, who likely is going to be available because they need an anchor. So... 5% of landing Juan Soto. I don't think the Giants are going to be buyers at this deadline. Maybe like a a player-for-player swap. I don't know if they trade like a reliever or something for, I don't know, kind of like Sean Anderson going to the Twins for Lamont Wade. Some sort of deal like that. But I don't see the Giants necessarily being quote-unquote buyers. And I was wondering this yesterday as I'm watching. This was actually, I'm not going to lie to you, this was the first time that I could... Other than on Thursday, this is the first time I could watch the uh, the I could watch the game with the broadcast on. You know, you, you you know you go and watch the game on Friday and Saturday with certain people, and you know you're you're at a restaurant or a bar, and you know you you don't have the volume on. It's, you know, it depends where you're at. But uh, <laughs> you ever seen people complain about uh, getting the sound on the TV on? It's great. Uh, I. Uh, Got to watch the broadcast yesterday, though, and I don't know if Fleming had mentioned this or whoever was on the broadcast. I don't know if they mentioned this, but I heard it yesterday, and it kind of jogged my memory because it's one of those it's one of those facts that you had in your head, but it, you needed somebody to mention it again so you could remember because you didn't really even think about it, and I didn't think about it when coming up to the trade deadline, but. Juan Soto to the Dodgers has been a big talking point because Juan Soto and Trey Turner are, quote-unquote, and I'm putting air quotes in here, best friends, right? So Juan Soto's in the crowd against Trey Turner, or for Trey Turner during a Dodger playoff game. And, uh, oh my gosh, I'm just so distracted. You should see the morning show right now. The producer Sam Lovett and Pate and Butcher arguing like crazy. It's so great. Um but Trey Turner was uh, was playing in a playoff game. Juan Soto was in the crowd, and Trey Turner and Juan Soto, best friends. But Carlos Rodon, but Carlos Rodon and 
Trey Turner are college roommates, were college roommates, and I'm thinking to myself, aren't Trey Turner... Aren't Trey, isn't Trey, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, hang on one second. These dudes are going absolutely insane. Not good enough, uh, really frustrating, a a level of play that is just not going to be acceptable for us. There's no other way to to classify, it's just not good enough. Excuse me, that's what I was calling their play here, (laughs) unacceptable. So, Carlos Rodon and Trey Turner were college roommates, and I'm thinking to myself, why wouldn't Trey Turner go to Andrew Friedman, the GM, and just say, hey, look at what's happening over there on the Giants, on the Giants roster. Look at what's happening with Carlos Rodon. Look at what's happening with their pitching staff. Like, they don't need him anymore. So let's go get him. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be shocked. We all know that Carlos Rodon is probably not going to pick up that player option that he's due after this season. He's got a two-year deal, and that second year of the deal, it's a player option. And to me, I don't think he's going to take that option. Why isn't Trey Turner going up to Andrew Friedman and saying, you know what, get this guy as a rental. You can keep him here. I'm going to go in free agency, but if you want to win right now, you got to go get this guy. I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So, look, the Giants this season... You just got to enjoy it, I guess, from now on. <laughs> I really like try and enjoy it as much as you can as you head into football for training camp. Uh, but one more clip I want to play as I get to the worst expressions used with trade deadline rumors. Nick Castellanos, of course, a free agent with the Giants, uh, or could have been with the Giants, didn't sign with the Giants, signed with the Phillies. Nick Castellanos and a reporter were going at it. And uh, this is what happened after Saturday when Castellanos was asked, did you hear the boos in the crowd once you struck out? Did you uh, hear the boos there when you struck out and playing the game there? No, man, I lost my hearing. <laughs> so you didn't hear it? Come on, man, that's a stupid question. Why is it a stupid question? Can anybody else answer that for him? Anybody? Yeah, man, that's a stupid question. It's not a stupid question. If it's a stupid question, you should be equipped to answer all right, it. All right, I did answer all right, it. All right, all right. The answer we should be able to answer it. We, we got the answer. That doesn't mean that I can't say that it's a stupid question. It wasn't a stupid question. It's a legit question. I, if I heard the booze, is, 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 that's a rhetorical question. So of course it's a stupid question. Did you hear the booze? That's a stupid question. We got the answer. We're good. Thanks, guys. We're and close. you should be able to handle a stupid question. I did. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what y'all think, but we all have we always have to choose sides with this, don't we? We always have to go, oh, well, you know, Nick Castellanos was wrong for saying that it was a stupid question. The reporter was wrong for going after him. And then we, like the reporter pointing the finger at Castellanos, we have to point the finger at whoever we think is in the wrong here. But where I'm at, and it's kind of like when Patrick Beverly started calling out all these players and, you know, we're, we're out here saying, oh, Patrick Beverly was wrong for that. You know, Chris Paul doesn't deserve what Patrick Beverly said. But I just like to sit back and kind of watch, <laughs> you know, like I don't even have an opinion one way or another. This sort of thing is so entertaining when you watch players and media members go at it a little bit, especially with something like that. But when the media member immediately points emphatically, it's like, you don't answer the question. I love that. I love that. All right. Now, 
We've been talking about the trade deadline a little bit, and uh, just to give you a quick update within the NBA and a possible trade that could happen, uh, Kevin Durant and the Celtics, they could be a match here as... It was from Sham Sharania this morning. The Celtics and the Nets have been involved in Kevin Durant trade talks. And the Celtics tried throwing Jalen Brown in a trade with some picks so you can get Kevin Durant. The Nets said that they also want Marcus Smart. The Celtics said no. So we might be at a stalemate here. But finally, we could be coming to the end of the Kevin Durant possible trade saga, or he could be staying with the Nets. Juan Soto could be staying with the Nationals. So that leads me to my least favorite trade deadline expressions used in a report. So I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to start some music here. All right. We've all seen the reports that happen with the trade deadline, and you know what? The ones with baseball are just as bad as... They're, they're just as nonsensical as any other sport. So I want to know from you at 888-957-9570, the Comcast Business Text Line and the phone number. What are your least favorite trade deadline expressions used in trade deadline reports? Because the deadline is coming up on the 2nd. And you are going to be seeing a lot of this over the week. I got my four least favorites, some that I saw over the weekend. Number one, a team has expressed interest in said player. Uh-oh. The team has expressed interest? Oh, that must mean they go right after him. Oh, that must mean they're going to they're gonna trade all their prospects away to go get Juan Soto. The Giants have expressed interest to go get Juan Soto? Giants are getting Juan Soto. Like, you create this... It's like a wheel. It starts spinning in your head once you hear the term expressed interest. But that is my number one least favorite. Of course the team is expressed interest. This dude's a superstar. Duh. Number two. These teams are keeping an eye on the situation regarding this player. And the one specifically that I'm talking about is... The report that teams are keeping an eye on the Shohei Otani with the Angels situation. Keeping an eye on it? What the hell does that mean they're keeping an eye on it? Keeping an eye on it? Alright, so they're keeping an eye on it. What does that mean? That tells me nothing. That tells me nothing. And especially when there's not even a specific team. I mean, if you're going to give me, oh, you know, the the Yankees have expressed interest in trading for Shohei Otani and they're keeping an eye on it. Okay, well, at least you're using a specific team. But when you just say teams are keeping an eye on what's going on with Shohei Otani, I hate that. I hate that. Number three, these teams are potential front runners to get said players. Potential front runners. That's a front runner thing to say. Potential front runners. So, they could be front runners. They might not be front runners. It's just so generic, so vague. Potential front runners from the 408 new daily segment, Nats and Nets Talk. Might have to turn into that. <laughs> but potential front runners, what does that mean? Potential front runners. They have potential to possibly be a front runner for this player from the 415 according to my sources that's a, that, that's a, that's fine i can deal with according to my sources cuz it is according to this person's sources 
Although I like how they've shortened it now. They don't really say according to my sources anymore. I think that's played out. So now they just uh, now they just say sources say or they make their statement and they say they put a comma at the end of it. Then just say sources, period. According to my sources. So expressed interest. Teams are keeping an eye on. These teams are potential front runners, but this is my least favorite one too. This team is a team to look out for in the trade sweepstakes. Really? A team that is has a chance, not on the verge of, but has a chance of winning the World Series? Has a chance of making it to the playoffs and doing damage in the playoffs? No way. They're a team to look out for in the sweepstakes for a star? Wow. I've learned something today. I have learned something. Like, everybody knows if you are going to possibly do anything in the postseason, the trade deadline is a time to make a move. So if your team is over 500, however many games over 500, of course that team is going to have interest. Of course that's a team to look out for because they're winning. I hate those, man. Those are my four least favorite. I saw that over the weekend. The team's expressed interest. The teams are keeping an eye on this situation. This team could be a potential front runner. And this team's a team to look out for. Thank you. From 408, Stephen A. I personally spoke to LeBron yesterday. All right, coming up next, Ponte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. It is the morning roast, and I can guarantee you it's going to be a fired-up show. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on this Monday morning, and thank you so much for uh, letting me get through whatever that was uh, that happened at 5.53. So I apologize for any of that uh, random stumbling that I did during the Juan Soto and Trey Turner thing. But nevertheless, ooh, from the 510, the team's a dark horse. So basically, the team had no shot. Terrible. Oh, the reports after the deadline, those ones are the worst. But the morning roast coming up next. Producer Sam Lubbin and me behind the glass up until 9 o'clock. As always, go sports. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified 
empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.